Hi, I'm Matt Dragonstone, and this time on the Dragonstone podcast, we're going to follow on from the previous episode about Chiron with the full interview with Lance Baker. In the previous episode, I wanted to present a very specific thesis about Chiron, and I incorporated this interview into that episode, and as a result, I had to cut it down considerably. There was a lot of content that is really amazing about Lance's journey that I wasn't able to include. So this time I'm just going to present the entire interview from beginning to end, and I'll come back in at the end with some closing thoughts. So let's get straight into it. So Lance, there's there's a narrative with Chiron, which is about, you know, the wounded healer as an archetype. The two are, are sort of, uh, you know, inextricably linked. And the reason why um, I wanted to talk to you today is because your narrative and the narrative that goes along with a Chiron transit or Chiron prominently placed in someone's birth chart um, you know, it's they're, they're kind of very similar in a way that I think people will be able to engage with. So tell us about the journey. Uh, well, I presume uh, Sagittarius shot an arrow from one side of my chart to hit me in the other. <laughs> what? Ah, oh, yes, that's great. <laughs> but no, that's storytelling. <laughs> uh, so I... My life now is healing. Uh, that's that's what I do all day, every day. Uh, that's what most of my conversations with people involve, whether that's with energy healing or with counselling or with hypnotherapy. Uh, the whole bottom half of my house is dedicated as a healing space or teaching healing space. Uh, and none of that was intentional. Uh, none of that was in my like 10 year, 20 year, life year plans. Uh, I've, I've got a piece of paper somewhere that I wrote in my 20s that was like that a five year plan, a 10 year plan, a life plan. And lots of those things have been ticked off, but in the context around healing, <laughs> healing was not part of that. Nice. Um, and, for as long as I've known in my life, um, I've had I've had migraines, and as a kid, for a long time, I only called them headaches because, as a kid, that's that's all I could explain was my head hurt, and my mum said it was a headache, and wasn't introduced to the word migraine for a long time. Uh, but it was it was only every now and then, um, and it was I wish I tracked it. I think it probably would have like clicked off every moon or something like that. Then uh, in my early, early 20s, um, my left ear become blocked. Um, like it needed to pop. And I had hearing tests, no issues, uh, perfect hearing, but I could hear the difference in the tests, but I could hear all the sounds. So they're like, you're, you're good. Uh, so they sent me for an MRI to check that out. And the ear, nose, and throat doctor put these MRI scans up on his little light box and pointed to this gigantic bright blue spot in the middle of my head. Uh, and he goes, look, I, I just work with ears, nose, throat, uh, mostly ears, like what you're here for. Uh, okay, so I don't know anything about the brain. He goes, but this and taps on it is not meant to be there. And pointed out this arachnoid cyst that's eight by eight by six and a half centimetres uh, my left temporal side of my brain. Uh, and within a month, uh, Charlie Teo, who's famous as a uh, doctor at the moment, he was fam famous as a fantastic neurosurgeon back then. Uh, now he's famous as a wild cowboy who... Uh, leaves a trail of disaster in his wake quite often, uh, but does some miraculous healings. Uh, and so uh, I find it interesting with this Chiron link that it was also a uh, a wild healer <laughs> that yeah. operated on me. Uh, <laughs> and so he drilled a hole in my head uh, and, and worked on this thing. And you can, you can have a video of it to put in your show notes if you like. Uh, it's gruesome. You've got to have a strong stomach. 
Uh, I'd be let, down if you are, mate. Let's yeah, you know, yeah. go for it. Uh, and he, I woke up from that operation with a migraine and it did not leave my head for nine and a half years, 24-7, just pounding. Uh, and w- when that finally left, it wasn't like it just faded out. Uh, it was a year I'd, I'd pretty much given up. But on my 33rd birthday, I made a, a declaration to myself that I couldn't do another year of this. I was going to try everything again. No matter how stupid it sounded, no matter how weird it was, I was going to try. And um, I tried meditation things. I tried, um, tried some different drugs. I tried uh, float tanks. And then I tried Reiki. And it seemed to help a little bit. And then I learned how to do it. And in a week and a half, that pain was gone. And uh, that's where Karan pretty much moved into my house. <laughs> my life began feeling. Interesting. Interesting. So headaches from a young age and then an operation that ostensibly was meant to, to heal you but only made things worse. Mm. Is that right? Yes, drastically worse. I ruined my life for a decade. Till now, I look at it as something that didn't ruin my life. That's something that, that made my life. Uh, but that's because I can disassociate from that decade of agonizing pain. Mm. Can we um, maybe, if it's all right with you, because one of the signifiers of Chiron is that it makes um, people who have it prominent in their charts. Uh, incredibly sensitive um, around, you know, particular moments of pain and moments of trauma to the point where even talking about it can kind of bring it back. But if it's not too much to ask, can we actually talk about what the pain was? As in, Mm -hmm. can you describe it? Because I've, you know, I've had a migraine a couple of times that's been so bad that I've been knocked out for a day or two. And there's headaches that I get from time to time that get pretty intense. But just, you know, um, don't understate. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's, get the, let's get the story on the pain if that's okay. Yes. Uh, so um, y- you, can, you can see my fist here with, with one of your pretty rings on it. <laughs> it looks delightful, and yeah. This is pretty much the size of what's... In here, and it's still it's still there because it, it come back like it was there by the next scan, um, and and it never left. So that thing has still never healed. Um, and presumably, it was there when you were born, or it, it grew in early childhood, or uh, yeah, they say you're either born with it or a head injury gives it to you. So it could have it could have kicked in. In I had a couple of fights when I was in high school and had a few head blows with that. Um, mm. um, lots, I'm probably banging my head a million times. So there's lots of things that could be. I've actually got two. I've got this one giant one here. Yeah. And then a tiny little like two centimeter one on the very top of my head. Uh, that one I remember. Uh, I was wearing a baseball cap with, you know, how they had they have the little metal stud thing on top. This is yeah. kind of like, oh. uh, and I was, I was getting off a bus in town in Newey from, whatever suburb I lived in at that time. And as the bus stopped, it bounced and my head hit the top of the bus and it really, really hurt. And it's right on that spot. So I have a feeling that's where this little one's from. But the big one, I have no idea. I'm presuming it's from getting punched in the head from being an idiot teenager. Interesting. Um, And the so if you could imagine something as big as my fist Mm. inside of your skull, uh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yes. Well, I took your ring measurement to make you that ring and your hand is fucking ginormous. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's huge. <laughs> so there was this constant pressure that was there. Um, so they have a, a thing called a paint scar and it used to really uh, – can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Yours, please, please do. <laughs> Still going to check. Uh, it really fucking pissed me off with doctors. They'd be like, okay, well, where do you feel on the pain scale today? And so the pain scale is like one to 10, one being next to nothing, 10 being excruciating. Like, whoop. Where's the way I can uh, judge this? Because, like, 
Am I judging it against what I've experienced, what you've experienced, what like everybody in the world has experienced? How, how do you do that? Mm. Uh, and most of them just said, just based on your experience of, of your life. I'm like, well, how do you understand that? <laughs> but anyway, mm. outside of that, so I based it off my experiences. So it changed over the years because my experiences changed <laughs> over the years. Uh, so when it started, the the annoyance I had from my ear was a 10. Uh, that annoyance from my ear become a one. <laughs> it, it didn't change. Mm. The understanding of pain changed. Uh, and so with this new understanding of pain, uh, that nine and a half years, the best I ever felt was a three. Uh most of the time I was probably sitting around a five or a six. Uh, the last four or five months, I remember I, I was at a six and I crept down to a five with the meditation and the Reiki I was experiencing from other healers. Uh, I'd have tens and the tens still constantly changed. Like I had to, Reevaluate a ten at least a dozen times in what what you'd call a, a suicide migraine. The uh, the migraines where you you contemplate suicide as the only way you could get out of that pain because I could take five different kinds of painkillers and be extremely high and it would still be there. Uh, mm -hmm. The only way I could get out of those ones would be to knock myself out and then I'd be feeling crap still the next day, but I'd also be feeling really flat and drained because of the drugs that knocked me out. Uh, mm -hmm. So it it's complex to explain that dynamic of it, uh, but you you just said before we got on this call, you managed to listen to my uh, interview with um, Jangle Bones and, and Kurt on, on Soapbox. Yeah, it's a good interview, the uh, And that movie he, he drills into his head he's got a migraine all through it it's got a soundtrack that inspires migraines in a sense mm. uh, it it was extremely traumatizing for me to re-watch that movie while i was experiencing it and i, I couldn't uh, i tried towards the end um of of my pain journey and i still couldn't then um and it still made me have some odd experiences just like a month ago when when I watched that movie again. Uh, yeah. So it, it did re-traumatise me in a sense, uh, but not to the same level. The one that weirded me out the most with that, uh, there's some crappy 90s, late 90s, maybe early 2000s comedy movie about conjoined twins. Um, mm. I don't remember. They're adult people i don't even remember who's in it uh but it was it was it was on telly and i just caught like a scene of it and this scene had uh dr ben carson who's, who's a real neurosurgeon who works on separating conjoined twins and yeah. his specialty is conjoined twins that are conjoined at the head and, and doing brain surgery with them that's like what mm. he is and i'd read his autobiography when i was like I don't know, like 10. I read it when I was really young, which also bewilders me that I read a book. And, and the only autobiography I'd read before I turned 16 was about a neurosurgeon. Uh, and I read it twice. I was like, infatuated with this book. But anyway, so this real life doctor, uh, he actually is American, but he, he did his doctorate in Perth, uh, in Australia. Yep. And, um, uh, I tried to see if perhaps I could get him to operate on me. I couldn't get contact um, and it would have been too hard to make happen anyway. Uh, but so he pops into this movie as a cameo, mm. um, which why they got him to be a cameo in this movie, I don't, don't know, but they did to separate these conjoined twins. Uh, and that just, it just hit me. And I, I'd been healed for probably two, three years at that point. And I thought I was all over it. I didn't have like murder fantasies about uh, Charlie Teo anymore. <laughs> so I thought, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. And then I see 
Ben Carson on TV for like three seconds. Um, just emotion hits me like a bag of bricks. Uh, and I ran upstairs crying. <laughs> uh, weird. So to, to say that, that this was an ordeal would be an understatement then, because that, that sounds ridiculous because yeah. not only were you experiencing these, you know, absolutely almost unbearable, you know, levels of pain that would push you into these suicide migraines, but you were also a carpet salesman as well, weren't you? Like you were living a life. You were living a life. You were trying to function outside of, um, you know, that experience of pain, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Uh, I didn't I didn't just uh, have a carpet job. Okay. I, um, I had just become a manager um, in a carpet shop, like, just before. Like, I had to take time off my new role as a manager of a carpet shop to have the operation and then... Uh, through that, I, I leveled up with it to like go from managing a little store to moving to this other um, carpet company who had six stores, uh, and I managed three different ones of those over time, uh, and and had the biggest one, and did most of the training for all their employees. Um, at, at times, I was their best salesman while being a manager, which usually didn't happen for most people. And when I found Reiki, um, how I found Reiki was I went to a tarot reader like yourself to have a reading because I was going to buy a guy's carpet shop. Um, mm. So I could I could still get on with life, uh, but I'd get to work, I'd do my job, I'd come home, and I'd just lay on the floor and watch TV. Um mm. And, and that was my life. But the way it interfered was with my life was was only when I got to like a nine and a half was when I'd have a sick day. Like I, I had sick days up my sleeve when I quit um, because I, I had to make money. I had to pay for my mortgage. I had to provide for my wife and child. So she couldn't make as much money as I could. So... Yeah. That was it. Uh, mm. So it was interesting as well. Most people from my life back then also had yeah. no idea. I masked really well. Jesus. Like how, I mean, you know, this is probably going to turn into a tangent, but th this is really interesting. How would you mask living with, you know, a fist sized cyst in your head and pain that would occasionally make you sort of consider you know, your options in a more serious way. How do you mask doing that? Because this is um, really yeah. painting that picture of suffering, really. Well, like I said, the the thing that was a 10 become understanded to me as a one. Uh, and so I had new 10s. <laughs> but you get used to stuff. Like yeah. um, you, when you've got a bruise, it hurts when you first get it and the next day it might still hurt. Uh, yeah. But the week after that, it only hurts when you push on it. You forget about it. Uh, I was able to like tune out and make it a, a background noise so I could always feel it without always paying attention to it. Uh, mm. Once it crossed a threshold, I, I couldn't. And and then I'd take drugs and I'd do I'd do quick acting things like I yep. I would buy kids medicine. So the one I'd have was Pain Stop, was what it was called. Uh, they had daytime one and nighttime one, uh, mm -hmm. and it was like you meant to have three meals of it if you're a kid or whatever, and they'd sell it in like I don't know hundred or two hundred mil bottles, mm. uh, and I just guzzle down half a bottle. And it's truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I started measuring it, but then I, I gave yeah. up measuring it. I just have some swigs. Uh, and if it was bad, I'd just guzzle down half. Uh, but the I'd have that because the liquid would absorb into my body quicker than a tablet. So it was a neat little hack I found. Expensive, but a neat little hack. Probably terrible for my body. Uh, 
but you could do that sort of thing and nobody would notice. Like I just, I'd have a bottle of that in my glove box. I'd have some Disprin in there, some Panadol. I had a mm. key ring that like could have these other drugs in it that were quick acting that when I mm. noticed a 10 was starting to come, if I had one of these tablets early enough, um, then it'd feel like a seven. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, you just, just get used to hiding. Also had vertigo as well. Uh, and I was surprised I could mask that as well as I did. Uh, in a carpet shop, luckily, there's lots of stands that are like uh, elbow high. So I could like walk while putting my hands on things and leaning on things all the time. Lots of soft landings, I imagine, rolls. And yes, and soft landings. Uh, I didn't fall too often with that vertigo. It was, it was not a super intense vertigo. It was just like... Everything spinning and wobbly, and um, if it got bad enough, I'd know to lay down. Mm. Yeah. So from from that experience of of dedicating what I imagine was a lot of resources to presenting mm. um, as someone who isn't suffering from pain pretty much twenty four seven of the kind that's completely debilitating. Into that landscape comes Reiki, and the result of a, a very brief encounter was enough to catalyze something quite revolutionary um, for you, right? So mm. to say that the introduction of Reiki into your life was revolutionary may not be saying too much, so to speak. It might not be, um, yeah, overinflating it because it sounds to me like from what I understand of your journey from where I've heard you speak elsewhere, that was incredibly life-changing and also talking about fast acting. Yes. Like fast acting as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, like Reiki been helping a bit. I was sleeping better and I was, I was half a point or a point better on a pain scale after a couple of months of having a session every week. Um, and I could feel stuff happening. Like I knew stuff was happening. I was having, um, I could feel energy releasing from my head. Um, and I had a lot of weird esoteric experiences happen. Uh, so I was in with Reiki of seeing it was going to do something for me. But I still had zero expectation I was going to take it away. Uh, like I thought I'm going to get this down, then I'm going to get to a point where I live it a free. And that to me was gold. Like that was me winning a mm. lottery. If I, could, if I could set my life within half a point of three or four, I'd be gold. Uh, and like I said, I was trying to learn how to meditate and stuff as well. Um, I'm not a good visual imaginator, so I was, was having a hard time with uh, meditation of listening to guided things and stuff. Uh, and so I Googled searched meditation class in Newcastle this Saturday uh, and nothing come up, which normally things like the Buddhist Centre and people like myself, things had come up even if it's not the exact day. Um, but the top hit on Google was a Reiki class uh, and said you can do it yourself. And I didn't know you could do Reiki on yourself back then. Uh, so I signed up. Uh, and my thoughts when I was signing up was if I do this in between those sessions with Leander, I'll be able to, like, keep the level of where she's got me. Like, because I, I noticed I felt better and then the next day I'd feel worse and, like, the pain would be upping and downing between these sessions. So I thought I'm going to be able to flatline and, and keep some of that healing she's giving me and just top up little bits. I'm, I'm no one compared to her, so I'm not going to do anything. That was just my expectation. And then I went there and they attuned me and then when I did an energy bond, I could feel that energy in my hands. That that was the moment it had me because I'm like, this, this is amazing. Um, I... I'd, I'd studied theology, like I, I was going to be a, a pastor at one stage and, uh, and I left because Christians just burnt me. Uh, but when I, I, I held this energy, I was like, this, this is it. This is what I was searching for all those years ago when, when I was looking down that Christian path of this has got, like this is the Holy Spirit in between my hands right now. Mm. Um, and so... I don't think Reiki would have left my life if it didn't give me the result it had. But then, like, I wasn't super actively trying to to heal this. I was doing the practices to get good enough to be able to help cope. 
And uh, I didn't even notice when it went. Like that's how much I was used to being able to ignore it. And yeah. I built this man cave out the back of my house and I was working a Thursday night, so I'd had the morning off, so I was probably playing video games or something. In the, yeah. The man cave that morning. Maybe I'd been doing Rachel practice. I don't think so. No. Um, and I was leaving there and I was shutting the door and I was one foot in and one foot out. And mm. I'm like, I'm forgetting something. I've checked my pockets. I'm like, I've got, got my keys. I've got my wallet. I've got my phone. Like, I don't, I don't have a migraine. Mm. I shut that door pretty quick. <laughs> on the yeah. car, went to work. And I'm like, when's that come back? Where yeah. Is it? And I was expecting it to come back real quick. Yeah. And it didn't. Uh, and so that moment, mm. Reiki was definitely not going to leave my life. Uh, that was that was the point where it's like, well, I'm better than the answer you're seeking. Uh, mm. I'll, I'll give you way more. And, um, uh, yeah, it, I couldn't hide from it then. Uh, as, and as weird as I thought it was, like when I went to do that class, it was my secret. Like the only person I knew was the person I was married to at the time. Um, That's fair. And and I wasn't going to tell anyone. But then mm. they told me I, I needed to practice, so I needed to like speak to other people. And so because I felt it, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll at least talk to some people about it. Mm. But, yeah, from there, uh, I become a pretty avid spokesperson for energy <laughs> healing. Pardon me. Um, yeah. No, that's, I mean, you know, you, you may have wanted to be a pastor, but the evangelist never left you, I think, no. in terms of your enthusiasm no. for the things that you're passionate about. Yes. Uh, you know, it was your enthusiasm for uh, energy healing that um, that got me on board with Reiki. Yes. And the attunement that um, I was able to participate in was was wonderful and something deeply mysterious. It was a mysterious moment um, of, of sort of meeting Reiki in a way. Um, but, I mean, the story post this experience of healing, which was transformative, enough for you to stop yourself and go, Jesus, I don't have a, I don't have a migraine right now. You didn't just hang your shingle immediately and start healing people, though. There had to have been a transitional period between the epiphany yes. and then the the art of of sort of translating that into the healing relationship with the other. So, what happened next, mate? Yeah, uh, well, it it was still just going to be about me. Uh, I'll admit, I'm I'm a Leo, and I wasn't. Uh, Finally tuned Leo back then. Uh, <laughs> so it, it, it was mine and my power. <laughs> Stay with me. Uh, so like I was only Reiki one with that. Uh, so I don't know how long it was. I think it was three months later. Uh, I did Reiki two. And the people who I did Reiki two with, they did, they did Reiki two in a way where you do a retreat weekend that's mm -hmm. like two days and an evening that was Reiki 2 and Master, but you got to come back twice uh, for that. And uh, I'd been doing a lot of practice with it and mm. uh, I'd had that miraculous healing. You can imagine like after that experience, I was, I was playing with it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and so I turn up this Reiki two class um, and they they told me I was I was already a Reiki master and, and what had I been doing in between like they couldn't believe what I was capable of in between maybe they'll blow smoke up my ass uh, which as a Leo I was graciously accepting yeah uh, <laughs> or maybe they'd noticed the difference it, it was in my head that they could have been doing either uh, at the time but I'd had that miraculous healing that I was like well that explains it. I'm obviously I've tapped into something mm. better with that. And uh, and I still didn't like hang my shingle up after I did Reiki 2. And that's the point where most people feel comfortable to to practice. Yeah. Uh, when I went back um, six months later to to finish my Reiki master, uh, mm. it was was after then. So I'd had somebody ask me to do Reiki from from their place. And yeah. I was like, well, I will. 
after this date when I'm a master. That's that's when I'll become full do it. Uh, but it was still just giving sessions. Um, when I did it, they told me I'd be teaching. Uh, they told me they could see me teaching auditoriums, hundreds of people at once. So that achievement you were in, there was 180 people there. Yeah, that's no true. auditorium, but still, uh, it was. So I was still telling myself, like, this is this is just for me, really, when I was planning on doing Reiki Master. And then it was, it was like I couldn't stop the things coming that were just like Karen was bashing down my door. Yeah. <laughs> my first paying client had a shattered hip. And after a second session, she got up and walked. Um, now, mm. I felt like Jesus that moment. I will admit I had a Leo moment where my head exploded. Uh, the next week, though, she come back and she had a crutch. Um, no, she had a walking stick. Uh, mm. But it, it proved I didn't heal the bone. I just yeah. made her feel good enough to be able to walk again. And and I seen her every week uh, until she got a hip replacement as i seen a weeks after that um order reiki and stuff too but it it took it, it was just that first job i had doing it was at, at the float center uh and he stayed open late on thursday nights and friday nights mm-hmm. uh and so i took appointments on thursday nights and friday nights uh yeah outside of my work um and some sad days and it, it was a side gig. I wanted to get out and do it full time, um, but I didn't think I could. But eventually, I did. Uh, I had the shits with like the owner of my company, and uh, yeah, he wanted. I'd, I'd started working an extra day at a hippie shop, uh, so I sit there all down Fridays waiting for somebody to come in to have a session. And some days I'd sit there and no one would want a session. Some days I'd have a few sessions. Most. At the time, it was a maximum of two, so it was, it was a big waste of a day. Uh, and we've all been there, mate. <laughs> yeah, and and I'd be bringing home like sixty bucks for that day if I got two people. Oh yeah. And my like day job, I was, I was a manager. I was I was getting like ninety k a year. I had a car, phone. Mm. Uh, it was on a pretty good deal, and mm. uh, I. I had a conversation with them and they wanted me to change my roster and I had to work Fridays. And Fridays was the days I worked at this peppy shop. And mm. I said, no. I said, look, how about this? How about how about I go to four days a week instead? Uh, I, yeah, I want to do part-time because I want to do Reiki more. Uh, and they're like, no, no, no. We, we're not letting anybody be part-time, especially not a manager, especially not in our biggest store. This is no. the carpet game, son. You should get your shit together. Yeah. 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 Get, get your shit together to do this. You don't do that hippie stuff. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, you know what? Fuck yeah. Shove your job up your ass. I'm done. Uh, and I quit. And I was like, I make like 100, 150 bucks a week out of Reiki. <laughs> I just yeah. a, a good paying job. But in between that time, uh, I'd also got divorced. And, um, uh, I was going to have to sell a house, so I was I had money, and um, yeah, I did it way too quick. But two days later, another carpet shop goes. Oh, I heard you're not working there anymore. I want to give you a job? I was like, no, I don't want to work. Uh, and carpet, and they're like, no, 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 pick your wage, pick your days. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so I threw a number at him that I didn't think he'd give somebody to be a shit kicker in his carpet shop three days a week, uh, and he said yes. Uh, so I did that and it quickly turned into four days a week, but luckily it was at the rate that I'd said was hourly, not for a week. Uh, and I did that for maybe six months and my business's healing was just stalemated. It just didn't grow while I was doing that. And I was like, mm. no, the, the call is too strong now. Uh, I need to do this. So I, I quit and, yeah, I burnt down to – Till I had next to nothing in my my bank, I'd invested everything I had into it. I told myself I had, I had eighty grand uh, after my divorce, and I told myself I'd burn it down to forty. And if I if I got to forty and I wasn't making it, I'd go back to carpet. And I had mm. him calling me like every month offering me a job, and uh, I got to forty, 
And I was like, no, no, this is going to work. I could see it happening. I'm, I'm getting close to breaking even most weeks. Mm. <laughs> so I just, I just kept going. And yeah, uh, I got down to having like some like 30, 40 bucks in my bank. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to call Nick. And then, um, then I looked at my PayPal account and I had like 200 bucks. And I looked at my try booking account and I had another few hundred bucks. And it turned out I had like two grand. I didn't have as much as I thought. But from that point, it didn't mm. go up. And um, mm. so did you notice a difference in your feeling of wellness, right? Um, while you were healing yourself versus when you were healing other people? Because the, the story is that you know, you had the miraculous experience with Reiki and then, you know, began to sort of learn more and all the while practicing, and I'm assuming practicing on yourself as well. And then the step into, you know, the role of healer and working with others. Did you notice, uh, have you noticed the symptoms getting lesser as you heal more people or where does it leave the pain to be in relation to the other? Well, the pain disappeared. It was gone. It was gone. Yeah. It was okay. gone. Uh, and it, and it that, didn't come back. That's the no, in that, yeah. in that week and a half, um, yeah. I did heal other people, like probably every second day. Uh, yeah. Other people. So I was doing the healing other people at the start and I was focusing on that more than self-healing. So yep. it was healing other people that seemed to play a big part. Yep. But the in hindsight, I know when it mm. was now because I had like this miraculous um, night where I experienced some weird shit doing self-reiki. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I focused on that as like the phenomena of what I experienced. That was like, mm. wow. And I tried to repeat that the next night and it, it didn't happen. And then the next mm. day was when I realized the pain was gone. So mm. I probably went two days without the pain and mm. still didn't even notice. I don't, I don't know. Or it faded out from that point to the point where I didn't notice. Um, and now you're in a situation where you're not only healing, but teaching others as well. Right. So there's, there's that progression from, you know, the, the work on the self, the experience of pain, the subsequent experience of healing, and now going out to others and healing others in many different modalities than just Reiki, as I understand it. Yes, yeah. Uh, now teaching is is a big part of of what I do because mostly because of that factor for me of it was the self healing component that mm -hmm. did it for me. So yeah. I'm like, well, anybody who's who needs self healing should have it. So I make I made a dedication years ago that I would make it as available as I could. So I'd put a class up every month, and as long as two people wanted to do it. I'd run it and yeah. um, I ran a class every month for probably the last six years now since I've been doing it monthly other than when we're in lockdown. Um, and then I did one online, but it took me a while to build the confidence up to do a Reiki class online because I was so used to the hands-on approach and I didn't want to mm. half-ass it. Uh, but I did put out a basic thing like in the first week of lockdown of a free initial attunement for people uh, mm. to get their, themselves started. Uh, but I remember the first class I did, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. It was the, the hippie shop I worked at. Yes. They had people wanting to learn Reiki and, and they wanted a cut. <laughs> They're like, come on, when are you going to teach? Can you teach this class? You can do it. You're a master. Uh, and so I taught the class and I was like reading from the book as I was doing it. It was clunky. I offered everybody who came to that class a free repeat because I taught them so badly, I thought. Uh, mm -hmm. And I didn't teach again for a year. Uh, mm. And it was like that class was probably within six months of me being a Reiki master. So I didn't have the experiences to be good at it. But okay. I made sure before I did it again, I'd know the Reiki one material back to front that I would not have a book in my hand and, and I don't. Hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just that, that layer of pride, I guess, if you're going to do something, you've got to do it right. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to do it right. 
there there is also um, a Leonine determination, like a determinism, to um, to get the job done, and not only to get the job done, but also to like you know be triumphant and be victorious mm. and not give up. And yes. if we if we flash forward to today, um, you know, it's a it's a different scenario to that first workshop, isn't it? There's a, a lot of things that you do. I see your Instagram. I follow you on Facebook, um, and we will link in the show notes for for people who are interested. Um, and you're you're doing so much stuff all mm. the time, right? Within that field, teaching and also healing as well. What kind of things are you are you up to these days? Uh, so hypnotherapy is is a big one so i mm. found hypnotherapy by accidentally putting people in a trance with reiki and having to explore that uh and weirdly like with the story i have uh, for energy healing uh, i had always presumed like that well this this is it like this is what i'll be known for and um, I'm, I'm way more well-known around the world for hypnosis than I am for energy healing. <laughs> uh, I've got an energy healing book and, and it's like had his poor sales. It's it's whole life. Uh, and I've had, I've got a hypnosis book and it's been a bestseller. It's getting translated into another language at the moment. Mm. Um, and, and it's something I found completely by accident. I don't have a personal story of like miraculous healing uh, from what I've done with hypnosis for, for myself. I've got plenty of things I've done for others. Uh, so hypnosis is a huge one. And a big bit of that is um, the energetic side of things. So part of what I inadvertently found when I was doing Reiki was following intuition. Uh, I started doing mesmerism, which I didn't know at the time, which is the energetic energetic precursor to hypnosis and um i didn't find that out for like another two years later what it was i was doing and that's something that i'm pretty focused on so i ran a workshop for the first time solely on that like normally i've, I've always put that in as a bit of my hypnosis class uh, but i ran a two-day workshop based off a uh, a French manual that I'd translated in the last lockdown uh, from 1818. Uh, and so, so I taught this this old process of energy healing, uh, of hypnosis. Um, but most of my hypnosis outside of the energy healing concept is, is communication with deeper parts of people's consciousness. But I, like all the other things that come across you when you start doing energy healing mm. and hypnosis, like crystals and meditation and pendulums. Uh, these are all things I, I also run workshops on. Mm. And I have I have one coming up. Uh, I think I put it on August 5th and 6th because August 5th is the anniversary of that start of the pain. So I always try and do something special mm. on that day. Mm. And um, I, have, I have my own energy healing process Um that uh, is called Atman Akasha and mm. um, yeah, it like integrates some traditional Chinese medicine things, it's chakra based things. It's, it's, it's just what I've intuitively done and found in different little things, looking at other healing things of how I can play with energy. Um, mm. So yeah, that's that's one of the other things I do. Yeah. That's that's brilliant. That's that's beautiful. First of all, thanks for sharing the story. You know, the, being able to trace the way in which you progressed from pain and in, inexplicable pain, you couldn't explain it in a way that people would listen to you and understand, to excruciating pain and a traumatic experience with, and this will become relevant later, keyhole surgery mm. um, to remove a cyst. Um, and, you know, I'm just mindful of the the symbol for Chiron. It's an upside down key yes. um, to yet more pain to also that shift, which um, allowed Reiki to come in. And the, the sort of level of willing to try anythingness that you had to be at to allow that opening to take place. Mm. And then to practitioner and healer of others, having healed oneself, 
to teacher of others. And obviously Reiki isn't where it stopped, you know, ways lead on to ways in, yes. in the healing game as in the, the fortune telling game. Um, but the thing that I, I really dig about this particular story is that healing and teaching, they're both other related activities. Okay. So you can't sort of, you can heal yourself and you can definitely be an autodidact, but mostly when we think about healing and teaching, we're talking about a relationship with the other. And you've, you've pointed out a couple of times the way in which the Leo, the Leo pride and the Leonine ego was there at the beginning, but has, you know, just based off what you said, uh, been tempered a little bit by your experience of changing that relationship to the other, right? Yeah. Uh, part of what, what Reiki has, has taught me is, is humility and, and humbled me. Like you, you'd think the decade of pain would have humbled me, <laughs> but no, <laughs> it takes a lot to humble the lyrics. Uh, but yeah, like the different things I've had to read and, and mm. come past me and, meditations and things I've done have have really taught me that humility and my first introduction to starting to understand astrology was was with that component is where I looked at it and seen all this stuff people talk about with Leos that I took it as that's part of a Leo's life journey is to get through that ego stage where you can be carry that confidence without meaning it takes over somebody else's status or confidence. Um, mm. the, the the king that goes to be with his people rather than the king that sits in the tower and, and looks down at them and makes them bring up stuff. Mm. Mm. So um, it's, it's uh, I pointed out and particularly the Leo thing, because you told me a very Leonine story before we started recording, you know, and I'll, I'll recount it if you don't mind, because yes, no. it's, you know, I'm, it's the only way I can't laugh hearing it. Cause it's great. Um, first of all, you were going for a haircut, which is, you know, the Leo pastime par excellence, right? You've got to sort of keep the main looking good. And there are certain stereotypes about star signs that are complete completely abhorrent and I don't believe them and I think they're inaccurate, but there are some that always stick. Um, I've not yet met a Sagittarius that can't do a very good horse impression. Uh, <laughs> they, they can all do it, you know, and one of the ones for Leo is you guys tell very good jokes and very good stories, but also the, the number one stereotype about how to piss off a Leo is to cut in front of them in line. And the story you told me was walking in, sitting down, and then some guy comes in after you, but gets served, served before you. And your response to this was wonderful because it, um, it puts you in a league of, of Leonine people that, um, is very small. Uh, you, you took the attitude towards that of, uh, this guy just saved me from a bad haircut. And then the experience that you had, um, led to the wonderful hairdo that you're sporting tonight, mate. So, you know, that's, that's a great example of like a very sort of refined and um, conscious and aware, uh, you know, response to a situation, regardless of your star sign. But in my opinion, especially if you're a Leo. And the reason why I bring it up is that there's this relationship with Chiron when it's transiting through your chart or whether it's, you know, a, a big part of the story from the day dot where you go through an experience of pain and then basically you learn a lot of stuff and that includes the acquisition of knowledge, but it's also an awareness of self through a relationship to the other. And the thing that I get a lot about the significations of Chiron is that it describes a wound that never entirely goes away. Um, the ailment, uh, the physical manifestation of whatever the woundedness is may be, you know, mitigated or cured, but the space that's left by the wound, even if it ostensibly heals, is always there. Right? Oh, thanks. So I, was, I was hoping I'd be able to heal this last bit. Heal the last bit. <laughs> but, it, you know, there's no reason why you can't. But what I told me. <laughs> no, there's no reason why you can't fully heal, but your life is forever changed by that experience of, of, of pain and then the relationship to the cure that came afterwards. Hmm. 
And that's kind of the dynamic that we find in Chiron. We have to step outside of ourselves in order to heal ourselves, basically. We get insights into ourselves when we're working in relationship with the other in a way that makes them whole. It also just makes us a little bit more sort of whole and integrated as a result. And so, you know, to, um, and that was really quite a glib example, of course, with the barbershop. I'm not implying that all Leos are egotistical maniacs, but the way that you're describing the story is this journey from, uh, you know, wanting to hold the power within yourself to sharing it with others and then arriving at a place that's entirely different to where you began, you know, even job wise, even, um, you know, mindset wise, your disposition towards other people has changed. And there's that sort of experienced based sensitivity. Yes. So how are you working with others now versus say, I don't know, 20 years ago, um, give or take. 20 years ago, uh, that would have been um, 20 years ago would have been just before the the operation because I've had like nine and a half years roughly-ish now um, in the post-pain and I had nine and a half years of pain. So before that, I was I was working in retrovision, slinging TVs and stuff like that. Uh, and my interactions with everybody then was um, I, I wanted life to be cruisy. Um, actually, no. Yeah, at that point was when I took – I got that cruisy with work. I uh, – I went part-time to like work a day or two a week at Retrovision and studied uh, business diploma at TAFE um, and would skate most days and hang out with people and talk shit. And uh, Newcastle oh, was a very easy place to be cruisy back then. Yeah. 20 years yeah. ago. Uh, yeah. I, I had a life where I, I was, and I was a little bit older than everybody else at TAFE. So I was, I was just the, the cooler, slightly older guy who had a, an apartment with walls full of CDs and DVDs and stuff. And so, like, people would come back to my place and, like, watch skate videos or chill out to music or mm. do whatever, uh, mm. drink, a lot of drinking. Uh, so, yeah, my interaction with people then, I was still uh, uh, that Leo centre of attention sort of thing uh but it was it was just in getting people to have the sage stuff come out the getting people to have fun yeah i be stupid yeah uh so that is uh, now my life is getting people together uh doing like, the, the preacher sort of thing about mm. self-healing and um and i'm fostering people's healing i'm not getting them drunk or stoned uh where we're hanging out and talking about how i can get them to see the best in themselves or others, and mm. um, yeah, that'd that'd be the big, the big difference. Yeah, um, yeah. the there was there was a, a blip um, as well that Karan taught me something new recently, um, mm. as as you heard on on soapbox where I talked about that because I was, was going through that process then uh, that. I need to do self-healing all the time still too. Like this past year has been a whirlwind for me. Like I moved my clinic from Newcastle to East Maitland. It's only like 45 minutes, but it's still a big move. And I had to I had to build a space. Like I, I had this big open garage and I built walls. I painted, I did electrical work. I'd done all sorts of stuff. And uh, so I stayed up till two in the morning every night for most nights of the year doing this place up while working full-time um, mm. and and i've got a toddler and my partner's got a, a child as well and i've got a teenage autistic boy who doesn't come as often now but still hangs out here a bit mm. uh so i was busy and um once once i, I got this place ready and running I've, I've, I've been doing a lot more workshops and stuff to mm. make use of the space and, and enjoy it and, and do that bit that i love so i was 
I was working hard. I wasn't doing as much self maintenance uh, yeah. of self healing, and so I, I had uh, a migraine come back um, mm. months ago, and 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 I reached out to you when when it did. And said, what the hell, man? What's what's my chart say? <laughs> You're like, that does, doesn't look like a problem. It's a blip, mm. uh, and. And I was paranoid. I did not believe that it was a blip, and I was like freaking the fuck out. And yeah. um, and I did. I didn't rush to heal it away straight away, but I was. I did some regular, just basic self energy healing, and was observing what could this mean of of where it was falling, and where my understanding is at the moment is that observance was one my stress levels and, and two my self care. Uh, was missing and and so i feel Chiron was saying well it's, it's still not all about everybody else like you're a wounded healer too like change your fucking bandage mate and now uh, so yeah <laughs> changes my bandages and i uh i, I do more self-healing with energy mm. self-hypnosis now uh, it's interesting. Um, you mentioned earlier that the Chiron sort of came to stay with the advent of, you know, the the headaches and then the intervention from Charlie Teo and then, you know, the Reiki that came afterwards. But there's a way in which Chiron kind of never really left and has sort of always been there. Um, even, you know, the being 10 years old and, and being interested in a book on neuroscience <laughs> is one good way in which, you know, we can kind of see the presence of Chiron. And so in a sense, there's that healing journey that was triggered by most likely a transit. I have um, had a brief look at the timeline of these events and matched them to where Chiron was sort of relative to where it was when you were born. And there are moments that are somewhat critical where Chiron was doing something that, um, you know, triggered either itself or your ascendant or your natal sun position as well. Um, yes, I think as well, though, um, Saturn triggered something in my yod that points to the moon, which is pretty much on Chiron as well at, I can't remember if that was when it started or when it finished, mm. but I'm not a keen astrological mind like like you. No. Uh, but the then, odds there, the, the moon and Chiron are conjoined in your chart, part mm. of conjoined, less than a degree separated. Yes. And so I, I was trying to work out what Yod was because, like, it, it sounded pretty cool. Finger of God, like. Finger of God. Yeah. God <laughs> got to be important in my healing journey when, like, my moon and Chiron are right there. Involved. Well, you don't want it pointing up your anus, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there's. Um, I also had a, another experience that I'm not sure if, if it's linked as well or not, mm. but I broke uh, my femur bone when I was four. Uh, mm. It's like the biggest bone in our body. Uh, and I had to spend six weeks in hospital as a four-year-old. Um, mm. And uh, I had a thing two years ago, a hypnosis mm. session about a, a chocolate milk addiction. And, and I was thinking it was going to be pretty straightforward. Uh, it was a demonstration in a class, uh, and it, it turned into snot pouring out of my nose and me being a, a blubbering mess and this four-year-old me coming out uh, saying about, like, how freaky this experience was of being isolated in this stinky, cold hospital mm. and uh, listening to this old man in the ward across the, the room from me uh, die. Um, after he talked about that he was there to die and uh, it was four-year-old me thinking I was there to die too. Um, so I'd be curious to see Kyron's impact on uh, on that, but I don't have the exact date of that all I know I was for. Yeah, of course. Um, look, I, without looking at the chart for, you know, that year of your life, um, it's difficult to pin down exactly what role Chiron would have had by transit. But the thing that makes your chart Chironic, in in my opinion, is the conjunction of your moon with mm. Chiron. Um, and that's, you know, that's going to colour uh, the way in which you receive stimuli from the outside world on an emotional level. Mm. That's going to colour your relationship to your body, which is as much the moon as it is the ascendant, um, depending on which school of astrology you listen to. 
So there would have been, unless you were literally riding a horse and fell off when you broke your femur, um, you know, th- there would be Chiron somewhere, but maybe that was Mars. Maybe that was Jupiter without seeing the chart. I'm not sure. But that event, the particular episode of your young life, which involved being injured, going to hospital, and then having that experience, which is then healed as an adult, that is colored by Chiron. How you processed that and took that in on an emotional level has Chiron as part of the picture because your moon and Chiron are natally conjoined. So there's, you know, there's, there's that, um, that sort of steps in, but because the moon and Chiron are conjoined, Chiron never really sort of left. And with what you've shared with us today, there's a big role that Chiron plays in the acquisition of knowledge and wisdom through pain and suffering, Mm -hmm. the dissemination of that knowledge and wisdom and the subsequent, you know, deepening of the healing journey of the self. And then obviously the literal healing um, component of it as well. And particularly the lengths and the durations, you know, nine years at a time of, of pain and then recovery from pain following, you know, following that sort of episode of, of being operated on. Mm. That's significant. And, you know, I think that that's really illustrative of what Chiron is as a planetary energy. Uh, so we'll, we'll be using your story as part of the episode, but I'm also going to make this interview available as well on on YouTube and the pod catches as a separate sort of episode, I don't know, 2A or 3A, because I think it's a fascinating story, right? Mm. And I feel like the way in which you've been able to perform a monumental act of will on both sides yeah. of the, the miraculous healing is truly impressive. As, as only a Leo can be, it's a truly impressive, um, you know, story that, that you've been able to recount to us about how you are the way you are today. Uh, so thank you for sharing with us, Lance. That's really awesome. And this is the part where I ask you how people can find you, mate. Please uh, let us know what you're up to at the moment, what you got on, and let us know where where people can get in touch. Yeah, uh, if they're Aussies, uh, New South Wales, uh, East Maitland, I've got, got a space where you can come and sit with me and either experience some energy healing or therapy or come and join a class and learn something new. <laughs> Uh, if you're not in this area, uh, then you can work with me on Zoom like we're talking right here, right now. Uh, and I have plenty of people that will do that. Uh, branchesofhealing.com.au has links to everything that I, I do, I'm pretty sure. And you can book online there. Uh, I've got a podcast, Akasha Talks, where they can search for Dragonstone and Akasha Talks and they'll find uh, a neat little episode. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Akasha Talks as well, not just the episode that I was on, um, but, you know, in general, the, the um, episodes are really good and in-depth and you're an excellent interviewer as well. So I'd, I'd recommend checking it out as well. Ah, thanks. Uh, do you want a, a funny dark Leo story before I go? Oh, I always love a story from a Leo, bright or dark. Even the dark ones are bright, though. Come on, mate, tell us. So in the middle of that, finding myself in my, my practice, uh, and, and and coming into the humility of, of Leo, I did have a brief thing where I thought, well, I've only got a few Facebook posts and a, a website that nobody ever goes to uh, saying I do this healing stuff. Uh, I think if I jumped in a church circuit, I'd be able to make it pretty freaking good as a healer of God if I could hide the fact that I've done Reiki. Uh, I did have that temptation to jump back into that world as a fraud and do energy healing in that way. It, it, it was a very brief, probably drunken thought, financially based. And I was like, oh, no, well, for, for a Leo sun in the ninth with Sagittarius rising, I'm surprised you're not, basically, yeah. mate. <laughs> Demons, come on, yeah. come on down and hear the tale of, you know, hear the, the word of God and be healed, brothers. Yeah. Yes. And, and if uh, if I if I go through a dark phase in my life in the future, then you'll have me telling you to burn this episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right, mate. We'll edit it up good. 
Thank you so much for dropping by. That's um, that's just made my night. I do love it when when sun and moon and ascendant all display themselves so clearly and and honestly. Thank you for being authentic, mate. And thanks that's for coming okay. on. Thank you. It's been been a pleasure. Nice one, buddy. All right, take it easy. Well, there you go. That's Lance Baker, ladies and gentlemen. And a big thanks again to Lance for coming on and sharing his story and being authentic with us. As a postscript, Lance suggested that I have a look at Ben Carson's birth chart. Um, As a reminder, Ben Carson is the neurosurgeon whose autobiography Lance read when he was 10 years old. The reason why Lance asked me to have a look and see if I could find Ben's birth chart was because he was interested to see if there was a connection with Chiron. Unsurprisingly, there is. I couldn't find a birth time for Ben Carson, but I uh, did find his date of birth. And on that day, the sun was applying from 24 degrees Virgo to a square with Chiron at 27 degrees Sagittarius. My suspicion is that uh, Ben Carson is a Sagittarius rising, considering his biography or what I could find of it on Wikipedia, but that's another interesting sync and not uncommon in the charts of surgeons and healers and medical professionals, at least from my personal experience. So thanks for listening. You can find Lance at the details that he shared. I'll also share those in the show notes. And if you're interested in a reading with yours truly, check out dragonstoneastrology.com. There are readings and classes and also talismans that I make and sell there. Until next week, guys, take it easy and ciao for now.